Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gamers 360 Network. It only took a few days for the left's true endgame when it comes to Afghanistan to emerge, and it includes, surprise, surprise, importing tens of thousands of foreigners into the United States. Why am I not shocked? This is Rob Smith is Problematic. So Afghanistan is pretty much a disaster. This is a disaster that the world is seeing unfold on the world stage. I covered this ad nauseum in the last episode. So if you want my breakdown of, of exactly you know how we got here and how we got to this disaster that is going on, definitely check out that last, that last episode. But for right now, as this situation escalates, and, and this is the first time I've ever really done um, a, a two-part podcast on, on one issue in the same week because it, it seems like things are developing in, in different ways every single day. And for a moment, and it was a very brief moment, it really did seem like the conservatives and liberals were all aligned in how we felt about the disaster. It was very obviously a national security failure. The images that are coming out um, are completely embarrassing to the United States. It is one of the biggest disasters I have seen in my lifetime. Like I said, these images are shocking. Okay, they really are. And and it seemed like we were aligned uh, in how we felt about the disaster. And I knew that it wouldn't take too long for tribes to emerge. And, and so there's this wave that you're supposed to feel about this if you're on the right, and there's this wave that you're supposed to feel about it on the left. And I am not surprised that this has now, this fissure has now started uh, when it comes to mass immigration and, and importing tens of thousands of, of these people here to the United States. And that, you know, that didn't happen. So there's the call to evacuate um, Americans. And that is the right call because we should be evacuating every single American that is overseas right now. Those are the people that, that we made the promise to. But now comes the clarion call that the left cannot resist. And this is the desire to deport tens of thousands of Afghanistan citizens into America. This is what they want to do. Now, the left never misses a chance to push for mass immigration and in mass importing people from different parts of this world into this country. And one of the reasons why they can never resist this is, number one, they know that the kind of socialist welfare policies that they make the bedrock of their platform are very, very, very enticing to low-skilled people that come here from from all aspects of the world, right? They know that these are things that are attractive to these people. Um, and, And second of all, they are running out of American voters. And they were counting on the quote unquote browning of America. They were they were counting on Latinos to, to, to carry them to the finish line. Surprise, surprise. Latinos are not voting for Democrats in the way that Democrats would love them to, um, you know, because Latinos, particularly Cubans, see socialism. They, they know uh, how to point out socialism when they see it. And a lot of them fled. So now the left's end game is to import tens of thousands of people here all across the country. And this is not even talking about the southern border where hundreds of thousands of people are coming across every single month. Right. So I want you to listen to, to two things. First, 
Um, I, I want you to listen to Jen Psaki spinning this situation in the press room. And there is a choice of words that she uses when, when, when she starts talking about um, safely exporting, you know, getting people out of Afghanistan, particularly Americans. And then I want you to listen to um, Tucker Carlson calling this out for what it really is. It's very important. Our focus right now is uh, undoing the work at hand and on the task at hand, and that is day by day getting as many American citizens, as many SIV applicants, as many members of a vulnerable population who are eligible to be evacuated to the airport and out on planes. Notice how she puts all three together. Americans, special visa applicants, vulnerable population. What the hell is that? You know, as vulnerable as Americans who are trapped in Afghanistan right now, they're American citizens. The American government exists to help American citizens, not to help vulnerable populations, whatever that is. That's a definition that changes depending on which interest group is in power. No, it's Americans. That's the point. It's the American government. But nobody cares. Our leaders are telling us that what really matters is importing tens of thousands of Afghan refugees into the United States before we've even evacuated all of the Americans who are stuck there. Now keep in mind, these aren't just translators that they want to import, people who've loyally served the US military or whatever. It's anybody in Afghanistan who wants to come here for the free healthcare. Who's in favor of this? Well, on the record, 46 US senators, 43 Democrats and three Republicans just called on the Biden administration to, quote, create a humanitarian parole category for, quote, Afghan women leaders, activists, judges and other public figures to quickly and efficiently relocate to the United States. Brian Kemp, a kind of pathetic governor of Georgia, he's a Republican, apparently, just announced he wants Afghan refugee camps in his state. Okay, so of course the media is completely in favor of this. They hate the population of the United States. CNN is accusing anyone who doesn't want this of being a racist. Though, by the way, have you seen the people who live in Afghanistan? A lot of them are whiter than I am. It's nothing to do with race. It has to do with putting American citizens first, period. But they don't get that. It's not even a category that makes sense to them. Politico this morning ran a symposium on how we can help Afghanistan as if we owe Afghanistan a lot. We've helped Afghanistan a lot. Not simply by spending more than a trillion dollars there, where'd that money go? But also by letting an awful lot of Afghans move here. More than 100,000 special visas to residents of Afghanistan and Iraq in the past couple of decades. We've issued a total of 300,000 green cards to residents of those two countries. Now we're told that's not enough. We're just hard-hearted or something. We don't take enough immigrants. This country is getting so volatile and divided Maybe we have a moratorium on any new people coming in until we can sort out our own problems, till we can learn to get along with each other. And after we have brought all of our Americans home. So, you know, that's Tucker Carlson always making so much sense. And, and it's really a good point. And, and it's so funny because when I was thinking about doing this podcast, I was I was just watching a lot of this stuff. And I was like, oh, I was literally just waiting um, for what the left spin on this was going to be, and then we found it. So, look, and what this boils down to is this. Americans are never a priority for the left. Americans are never a priority for Democrats. And, it, and it's very shocking to see uh, Republican senators and, and a Republican like Brian Kemp, they are so... They're like these puppies that want to be loved by the left. There is a certain breed of Republican out there that is, quote unquote, uh, leader. These are senators. These are Republicans. These are even some Republican congressmen. And these are people that think that if they are somehow 
relatable to the left uh, if, if they become the respectable Republican. And, and basically, by be, being a respectable Republican to the left is basically doing whatever they say, um, that, that these people are going to like them. And these people need to be primaried out of their positions, every single one of them. Get Kemp out of there. I know Vernon Jones um, is running for governor of Georgia. Get Kemp out of there. Get some of these Republican congressmen and women out of there. Definitely get any uh, Republican senator that is siding with, you know, multiple Democrats in terms of, you know, creating some new categories so that we can just bring tens of thousands of Afghanistan citizens here. Um, Get these people out of office. okay? there's something that happens when these people have been in a power for too long. They get disconnected and they're really disconnected from the reality of what general American citizens really think uh, about this kind of stuff. And and there's the question here as to whether or not it is a good idea to import tens of thousands of people into this country who may or may not have a favorable view of America, right? And that is a very valid question, particularly when we're talking about a national security perspective. And asking that question does not make you racist. It does not make you a white supremacist. Um, it does not make you xenophobic. It does not make you any of these things that the left has created to try to make you feel bad about asking actual questions about the types of people that are being imported into this country by the tens of thousands, which is what they want to do with this Afghanistan situation right now. And I I want you to listen to there is a a deeply emotional argument that is always made when it comes to all of this stuff. Um, And and this is, you know what? We don't even need to talk about a lot. We don't even need to to use a lot no more. I was going to have you listen to her, but you know, I'm not even going to do that Um, because she went on a MSNBC and it's just the same stuff. Um, If, you know, if people are against this, they're racist, you know, we have a duty, we have a responsibility. It's just all of this stuff. What I want you to do is I want you to listen to Stephen Miller. This is somebody who takes a very hard line stance on immigration and worked in the Trump administration when it comes to these issues. These people have called Stephen Miller every name in the book. They've called him a Nazi and a white supremacist and all of the things that they call people who have an objection to mass importing tens and thousands of people um, into America. This is what he had to say about this entire situation. Just to get to first principles here, the United States of America never, ever made a promise, written or unwritten, to the people of Afghanistan that if after 20 years they were unable to secure their own country, that we would take them to ours. That is nonsense. That has never been U.S. government policy. But why do they keep saying that? People are trying to retroactively declare that that it is. No, they keep saying it's been been said all over cable. We made a promise. If we don't live up to our promise, it's very heart-wrenching. As a a mom, it is heart-wrenching to see any suffering that's happening in Afghanistan, we're seeing suffering on the streets of Chicago, we're seeing suffering yeah. in Africa, and Islamic in Syria, everywhere. and in Libya, and Horrific. in Somalia. If the United States takes the policy that every person suffering under Sharia law has a right to live in the United States of America, we're going to need to make the room for about half a billion people. Obviously, Stephen Miller is absolutely right about this. I think that what this entire situation goes to show, and what is going on here is they have now created a left-right division when it comes to this crisis. And it comes to, and, and it's so funny when 
you work in media and when you do this, so many of the most major, important, earth-shattering, sort of like America's future-defining conversations that we are having when it comes to media and politics right now, they all come back to mass immigration. They all come back to immigration, right? We've got the, the crisis that is happening on our border. By the way, there is still, the border is still a disaster. <laughs> we will be, you know, talking about this Afghanistan for a couple of weeks, and the border will continue to be a disaster. And there will continue to be hundreds of thousands of people passing through the border every single month. The kids in cages, all that stuff. I mean, all that stuff, it, it's still happening, mind you. But all of these conversations that are happening in America right now, and in fact being mirrored in different places around the globe, have to do with mass immigration. So it is not surprising to me that in the worst moment of the Biden administration, this is the worst moment of this presidency, and this is not this is not a presidency that has been filled with great moments, and by God, it's only been, what, eight months? And... It's very indicative of the left, whereas in the worst situation in this presidency, they shift back to pie-in-the-sky rhetoric. They shift back to emotion. They shift back to, they shift back to the idea that we need to import tens of thousands of people not Americans, into this country. And like I said, it is because Democrats cannot count on Americans to vote anymore. They cannot kind of, they are losing more and more Americans every single year. So what they have to do is they have to import more people. And it is not a racist conversation. It is not xenophobic. It is not white supremacist. You're not a Nazi. You're not any of these things for actually questioning this and actually questioning what this does to the country that we live in. And, and here's the thing, folks. Depending on where you live, you may not see the results of this stuff, right? And I remember there was a Rahim Kassan, I believe. He wrote a book called No-Go Zones about how there are basically no-go zones where there there is like literally Sharia law on the streets in some places all across this country. There is one of them in Brooklyn. It was a good book. Um, when you look at the places like, I was going to use Ilan Omar, but I'm just so tired of her and I didn't even want to listen to what she had to say. But when you think about the place that she, quote unquote, represents from Congress, that this is a place where people do not speak English, everybody's on welfare, it's like a little Somalia, all of that other stuff. So you don't see this stuff now, depending on where you live, but you will start to see it over the coming years and over the coming decades in the United States, if we don't get a handle not only on our immigration system, but the conversation we have when it comes to bringing tens of thousands of people to this country. Like I said, it is unsurprising to me that in the throes of the biggest disaster, one of the biggest disasters America's ever seen, but certainly the biggest disaster of the Biden administration thus far, of which there have been many, that the conversation now comes to us taking in more immigrants, more immigration, more mass immigration. This is what Democrats want because they cannot win elections anymore and they cannot vote. They cannot count on American citizens to vote for them. But we're just going to see how this entire Afghanistan situation unfolds. And I'm going to tell you, it's probably not going to be pretty. Up next, an unintended consequence of the Afghanistan disaster. The media is actually starting to question the Biden administration. 
Here's the thing that you need to know about media and journalism. And I know I talk about media and journalism a lot. And I know that it is low-hanging fruit when you're a conservative that is operating outside of the mainstream media. It's low-hanging fruit to talk about how corrupt and incompetent the mainstream media is. But this is what I need you to understand about them. Media and journalism is historically made up of liberals and Democrats. These people, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSNBC, whether it's the Huffington Post, whether it is NBC News, whether it's any of these places, they don't see their job as reporting the news. They don't see their job as asking questions. They don't see their job as giving voice to real issues in the voices of real people in America. They, they see their jobs as protecting Democrats and liberal interests. Now, this was exposed to me during my years in the mainstream media. I worked in the mainstream media for years. I worked at Yahoo News. I worked at CNN. I worked at um, NBC News. I did my graduate degree at Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. I know how this stuff works. When I was in the mainstream media, and one of the reasons that I decided to to transition out of working in mainstream, and this was really even before I was a conservative, I was just an independent thinking person, you are supposed to, when you're working in the mainstream media as a producer, as an honor talent, as a multimedia journalist, whatever it is, you are expected to toe the woke line. There is zero diversity of opinion in any of these places. Not The Times, not CNN, not MSNBC, nothing. There's no diversity of opinion. If there is a diversity of opinion, and if you're like, say, Barry Weiss of The New York Times, and, and you're somebody that is a conservative you will, are, will be ran out of there. The media industry is filled with the unimpressive children of privilege, content enough with family money that they can take the pennies the media industry offers with the smug satisfaction knowing that they really work for Democrats to protect the quote-unquote greater good. To most Americans and to a lot of thinking people, whether you be left, right, independent, whatever in between, if you are thinking, if you have a brain in your head, um, and, you, and you're not listening to whatever it is that Joy Reid wants you to think at, at any given moment. This was exposed during the Trump years because what you saw during the Trump years was the naked partisanship of these people be completely exposed. You, you saw them exposed as liars. Um, you saw the coziness that exists between um Democrat officials and, and people at media networks like the MSNBCs and the CNNs of the world. So we all saw how this all works. And this was exposed during the Trump years. But now, and this may be one of the, the most interesting things of this situation that's going on in Afghanistan right now. You have to understand, over this year, we have seen rampant inflation. We have seen this border crisis. We have just seen a complete failure of, of any kind of real leadership at any level. And I've said this before, as American, you do not want the president to fail. Okay, I did not vote for Joe Biden, but I, did, I didn't want him to fail. I certainly really did not expect for him um, to fail this spectacularly. But we we have a president that's asleep at the wheel and a vice president that is such a total lightweight, it's shocking that she's even there. And that's just the truth. But with this debacle, the media is, is actually getting tough on the Biden administration. Um, they are actually asking questions. And there is a very interesting op-ed that came from the New York Post. Uh, this is from Michael Goodwin. And this is something that's very interesting. I want this. I want you to read this. Or excuse me, I want you to listen to this. 
he really breaks down how the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, like these people are getting, he's getting grilled. And so this is what Goodwin has to say. Perhaps most worrisome for a Democrat in the White House is that the usual media handmaidens are aggressively poking holes in Biden's preposterous assurances instead of defending him. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan experienced the, the change of the media winds when he was peppered with a score of tough questions in the briefing room. The consistent theme was serious, serious doubt about the ability and claims of Biden and his team. One questioner captured the spirit by saying the chaos doesn't look like, quote, the result of a competent administration. And then they asked this guy why Biden um, fled to Camp David <laughs> after going to the White House for a Monday speech. And you know, if it was up to Joe Biden, if it was up to the people that are propping that man up and shooting him with whatever shot they have to shoot him with to get him camera ready in order to read a teleprompter for, for 20 minutes, you know they would have done it from Camp David. You know that they would have Skyped him in. If they could have, if they could have used that excuse, you know they could have. Just like they Skyped him into you know his campaign for president. And as Goodwin says, to be sure, the questions did not come with the tone of personal hostility that was routine during the Trump administration. But compared to the adulation Barack Obama got for his eight years and the gentle questions Biden got on the campaign trail in the early days of his presidency, this was something new. Finally, the media were showing signs of holding a Democrat responsible for an obvious and tragic blunder. And so the question is right now, will the media continue to be tough on this administration? Will they continue to ask real questions? It was almost comical, the questions that Biden would get in, in the earlier days of this administration. It's like, what ice cream did Joe Biden wear? Oh my God, you picked a dandelion up for you. You picked out a dandelion for the first lady and you have that embarrassment on NPR, Yamiche, Alcindor, something. But you have that embarrassment when she said, President Biden, does the image of you around the world as somebody that is compassionate and emotional have to do with the surge of immigrants that we're seeing show up at the southern border? I, guys, this stuff is embarrassing. I would, If I proclaim to be a journalist, I would never be so sycophantic to an administration. But the media is getting tough on the Biden administration. And I honestly believe as the the person in me that, you know, is a trained journalist and, 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 and believed in this industry in, in some capacity at some point in my life, I hope that they continue to stay tough. I really do. There's going to be, and, and here's the thing when it comes to media, media criticism and the kind of media that you consume. And you have to realize that primetime opinion hosts are going to be on the extreme because extremes are what get ratings. Extremes are what play in prime time. So Joy Reid is going to say this and Sean Hannity is going to say that. And there's probably an element of, of BS to all of it, to tell you the truth. But there is an opportunity for the media to actually do some real work. And I think, honestly, if the media starts really aggressively questioning this administration in the same way that they questioned the Trump administration, they may be on the road to some sort of restoration of the trust that we have in the mainstream media. But I got to tell you, I am hopeful, but not optimistic. 
Well, you knew it was coming, COVID-19 vaccine booster shots. What you should know and what Trump has to say about this right after the break. I don't know about you, Problematics. I am completely tired of COVID. I am over it. We have been doing this for uh, a year and a half. And what I've seen over the past couple of months is just this botched messaging um, about the coronavirus, about vaccination, about, you know, you're supposed to wear masks uh, you know, after you're vaccinated and then now you're not supposed to wear masks. And even in the like the accountability that I live in, now they want people to wear their masks, even if they've been vaccinated. It's all been butchered. It's all been botched. Right. And so now after all of this stuff, after a year and a half of fear mongering, mixed messaging, confusion, from Tony Fauci and pretty much everyone else. Now, we are seeing them starting to promote booster shots. And, and, and this is what um, the Surgeon General and, and Fauci, Surgeon General of Vivek, uh, Vivek Murthy, this is what he has to say about this. This was a, in a, a briefing that he did for reporters. He said, having reviewed the most current data, it is now our clinical judgment that at the time, or excuse me, that the time to lay out a plan for COVID-19 boosters is now said U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Vivek, Vivek Murthy in Wednesday's uh, briefing to reporters. In the same briefing, President Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Fauci, oh, Tony Fauci, I don't think we should, uh, that, was, that, was my, that was my Tony Fauci is bad. But anyway, so <laughs> Fauci pointed to data showing antibody levels against the coronavirus declining over time and that higher levels of antibodies may be required to protect against the Delta variant. He said, our top priority remains staying ahead of the virus and protecting the American people from COVID-19 with safe, effective, and long-lasting vaccines, especially in the context of a constantly changing virus epidemiologic landscape. They'll continue to follow the science on a daily basis and we're prepared to modify this plan should new data emerge. Blah, 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 blah. Womp, 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 womp. When I first read about this stuff, my first thought was this. Big Pharma has gotten a hold of some of that sweet, sweet government money, and they're not letting it go. And you have to think about this. You have to think about the amount of money that Big Pharma is making from these COVID-19 vaccines. And the vaccines don't cost anything. You can get it for free anywhere. And of course, nothing is ever free. It's all about taxpayer monies because Big Pharma has now has a direct line or a new direct line because Big Pharma is getting a lot of money from the government in a lot of different ways. But they're getting all of this government money now from these coronavirus vaccines. And they do not want to let this go. And so after a year and a half of fear mongering about this thing and driving everybody completely crazy, we finally got a vaccine. If you want the vaccine, take the vaccine. If you don't want the vaccine, don't take the vaccine. But now they want to have people take booster shots. After eight months, this is what they're saying. I smell a rat and I'm not the only one. Trump did as well. And this is what Trump had to say about this to Maria Bartiromo. I still come back to the idea of a booster shot. I mean, yes, you're right. The well, vaccines work. We've like seen that. That sounds, you know what? That sounds to me like a money-making operation for Pfizer. Okay. Think of the money involved. Getting an extra shot. That's tens of billions of dollars. How good a business is that? If you're a pure businessman, you say, you know what? Let's give them another shot. That's another $10 billion of money coming in. I, the whole thing is just crazy. It doesn't, you wouldn't think you would need a booster. You know, when these first came out, they were good for life. 
Then they were good for a year or two, and I could see the writing on the wall. I could see the dollar signs in their eyes of that guy that runs Pfizer. You know, the guy that announced yeah. the day after the election that he had uh, the vaccine. But we knew that, and I knew that. Yeah, he, yeah, he announced that. it November 9th. You're right. A, f- a few yeah, days after, right after the, after election. the election. So obviously, look, and I'm in 10 degree, I'm inclined to agree with Trump on this. It just, I, I see the dollar signs in these people's eyes. It seems like a scam. I don't know how long this is going to keep going. I thought this would be, I thought that with the vaccines, remember when they told us that when the vaccines came out, we were just going to, you know, the, the entire world was just going to open and we were just going to be back to freedom and all that stuff again. Well, I have always been in freedom because like I have lived in Florida for, for the past year and some change. This is why people do not trust any of these people. They do not trust the government. They do not trust the people that have been pushing coronavirus fear-mongering on us for the past year and a half so that they can get political power. And they do not trust the quote-unquote science. So remember the science. Yes, yes. The uh, the party of, of men can get pregnant wants you to always trust. They say they trust the science. Very interesting. But I don't trust any of it. Honestly, I really don't. And this is not medical advice for you guys. Do what you want to do with your own body. But the goals have shifted so drastically and so many times over the past year and a half, it makes my head spin. It confuses me. It angers me. It frightens me. It infuriates me. And I promise you that a lot of Americans probably feel the same way that I do about this, that this is starting to seem like more and more of a scam. If you want the vaccine, take the vaccine. If you do not want the vaccine, do not take the vaccine. If you take if you took the vaccine and you want the booster shot, take the booster shot now, take it every single year, do whatever you want to do with it. But don't think that there is any point in time in the foreseeable future when this is over. Because these people, there is now too much wrapped into this coronavirus hysteria for I think for it to ever be over. And that makes me sad. It makes me worried. It makes me angry. And it makes me fearful for our future. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. And to hear more of my episodes and to get my weekly newsletter, please go to gingrich360.com slash rob. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.